Well, hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Teacher Off the Film Buff Podcast. Uh, this week we're going to do a full breakdown, recap, review of everything that went down at San Diego Comic-Con this past weekend. Um, all the reveals and the panels, the uh, trailers that were released, the rumors that were confirmed or denied, uh, everything, all of the above. So I'm going to jump right into it here. I believe this is really the first major thing that came out of uh, San Diego Comic-Con, and that's because it was uh, the Wednesday that, begin, that began the, the, the convention, Scare Diego, as they call it, um, where they kind of showcase a bunch of upcoming horror movies. There's a, a couple other events that, that happened there, but uh, it was the It Chapter 2 trailer. So I'm not sure if this actually even was really released at Comic-Con, but it was associated with it, so I thought that was a good place to start. Um, and man, this is... a great trailer it's interesting that they call this like the last trailer because there's still two months before the movie comes out so you'd think that they would still put together some sort of uh footage or, or big tv spot at some point you know within the next couple of months here but not like you really need another trailer because of how great the first movie was and um how lack of a marketing you really need at this point in time kind of like you know, your average Marvel movie doesn't really need more than one or two trailers. The audience is already sold. I think everybody's pretty much sold on this movie from the beginning. Uh, just about everybody that I know loved uh, the first It movie, It Chapter 1, if you will. Um, and then the cast that they're bringing in, the adult cast, for, you know, Jessica Chastain, Bill Hader, James McAvoy, uh, among many others. Um, of course, Bill Skarsgård coming back is Pennywise. Uh, fantastic stuff, but I love that I love the the, uh, the voiceover that you know one one of the characters says in, in the, the trailer. It's you know the farther you get away from Derry, and the more hazy your memory gets, and the more you know the lack of memory you kind of have from uh, from your past. And I believe this is taking place 27 years after the first movie. Um, so I found that all interesting. I like the way they started out there. It's very ominous, just uh, much like the the first movie is. Um, and you know they go back to and they show that oath that they took uh, or swore to each other when you know if anything were to happen uh, revolving around Pennywise or something similar they would all come back to Derry so you'd assume and again this is coming from a non-book reader that you know, something happens in Derry when everybody else really doesn't live there anymore that's kind of why you see in that first trailer Jessica Chastain's kind of going back to her you know family home so she's kind of either investigating or exploring some sort of situation there it goes back to Derry, and that kind of brings the crew back. Um, you know, kind of predict where the story goes from there, even without reading the book, but um, I'm all for it. I'm all for everything here. There's really nothing about this movie that I haven't liked so far. Um, just some of the imagery in this trailer is absolutely terrifying. Um, God, the stuff, the, the one shot of Pennywise and his tongue is just, like, dragging down to the, the water in that one sequence, and then the... Uh, the part with all the mirrors and James McAvoy and what I would assume, again, I haven't read the book, I would assume that's his kid that he's trying to save in there. Maybe somebody, it's somebody random, I'm not sure. Maybe it's a hallucination of himself as a kid. I don't know, but uh, I thought that was really, really unsettling as well as the, the brief shots you get of Jessica Chastain covered in blood. Um, there's something like, could we get this wrong, but 400 gallons of blood that they use for that one scene pretty much all used on Jessica Chastain and the walls and the ground. Uh, just really, really, really creepy stuff. And um, you have, uh, towards the end of the trailer, you know, Pennywise says something like, uh, you know, I've craved you for the last 27 years. Yeah, that's um, that's that's not something that uh, 
make you sleep well at that point if you hear that i mean jeez Oof. okay so that's that's the it chapter two trailer um that was I believe it was wednesday night they released that moving on to thursday that was kind of the first major day if you will there's a couple of uh, big panels that happened paramount did their uh, showcase of upcoming movies which really only consisted of terminator dark fate and top gun surprisingly top gun at least uh, but and let's touch on Terminator for a second here, because I haven't really talked about this movie at all um, on the show. But, you know, one of my first questions I have, especially after that first trailer they released, um, which I do believe this featurette that they that they put out was much better than that first trailer. Um, but are they going to use Brad Fidel's music? Because they use it in this little featurette thing here, and I'm just worried that they're not going to use it um, in the actual movie. I don't believe he's scoring the movie, so... It always gets kind of sketchy there. I don't know how the rights work and how you have to pay the composer if you, you know, if he's not coming back or he or she's not coming back, but you're using the music. So uh, that's just, you know nitpicking, but it is a big part of the first couple of Terminator movies. So I would like to see that come back. Um, you know that other trailer they released. I just I still I was talking about it the other day. I still don't understand how you how you let that get out to the public and let it sit on the internet with all of the horrible cgi um got the one sequence of diego luna like jumping through the air it's like a it's an animated film at that point it's just it does not look good uh, but i would assume since the movie is still two or three months out they had plenty of time to perfect those uh cgi shots there um uh, i think it was i don't know if it's james cameron in this trailer but i do like that he's actually coming back to produce this one um, or maybe it was um, Tim uh, Tim Miller, or somebody says, you know, this is like a white knuckle ride film. So uh, I would like to see them actually stick to their guns with that. I don't know how much, uh, you know, a Terminator film at this point, six films in or whatever we're at, 30 years, 35 years into the, the series, how much new and refreshing and white knuckle ride you can really get. Cause I think that they've kind of tired out the, the plot at this point, but... Again, this one picks up after T2, so you kind of wipe it away. Terminator Salvation, Terminator Rise of the Machines, Terminator Genesis. Um, you know, even the, apparently Edward Furlong's coming back. I, I mean, I don't know that you really necessarily needed that. He's notoriously one of the most annoying parts of the second movie. I don't mind him that much, but he can get on you know my nerves in that movie, especially when I rewatch it. But I know he's had some issues in the past. So hopefully, he's got everything kind of settled and i also heard that maybe they're kind of using some sort of flashback motion capture with furlong and then maybe his he's not really alive in the movie john connor that is um so I, i'm not really sure where that's gonna go but i thought it might be fun to kind of uh, you know tackle the top gun trailer now especially since tom cruise kind of hijacked the paramount panel which i absolutely love i that's one of the things i love about comic con is that you have these sort of surprise appearances um and surprise reveals of course top gun is still about a year away after they pushed the release um back and um you know the first film is it's an interesting thing because it's one of the i i would say it's maybe the movie that is most of its time um in the history of film i don't know that i've watched a movie that felt more like one decade and should never really leave that decade than top gun the movie's fine I think it's like a six out of ten for me. Like it's 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 fine. I think it's a 
an enjoyable film that really end up kind of skipping past certain unintelligently filmed and uh, acted scenes at times. It's really kind of a joke. Um, but I guess that's kind of the point, right? They kind of play on the, the, the playfulness of the series and really don't take itself too seriously. And I can't get enough of Tom Cruise these days. I Even The Mummy, uh, watchable for me, and it's, it certainly has its fun moments. I'll dig, I'll dig anything that Tom Cruise does. Uh, Mission Impossible series is absolutely one of my favorites. So you have Ed Harris uh, coming into the, the film this time. I don't believe he was in the original. Again, I've only seen the original one time, so it's not like I'm a diehard fan or anything, but uh, some of these aerial shots that they show are just magnificent. You could tell how real they are when they shot. Um, and, and speaking of music, you know, I was talking about it with Terminator. Uh, you have uh, the score there, you know, the... It's just iconic. I mean, love that score. Um, interesting to see if maybe they bring back Kenny Loggins at all or you know Danger Zone I, I don't know I mean maybe that would feel a little too cheesy a little too on the nose I know they asked Tom about that and he I think it was on Conan's show and he didn't really give a full-on answer if they were going to put Danger Zone in the movie or not um, it's almost like too much of a fan favorite you kind of if you don't uh, you know it's like a pick your poison if you do you don't you know whatever you're still going to get hate for it so but I think the one shot in the trailer that basically defines uh, Hollywood love of Tom Cruise. It's the shot when he finally gets back on that motorcycle and you just see him smiling with those aviator sunglasses on. Um, that's I saw somebody tweet this, so this isn't me, but it is true that like Tom Cruise is one of the few like you know movie stars left, if you could even call him that at this point. But there's like two smiles in Hollywood that are just so iconic and uh, you know so contagious, if you will, and it's Tom Cruise and Julia Roberts. So. Um, Again, you know, it's not a trailer that'll blow you out of the water if you're not already a fan of it. I thought it was a really, really, really good trailer for something that I still expect to be kind of bad. Um, but I enjoyed it, so so that's Top Gun. Uh, let's move on to some TV here for a little bit, and that would be starting with the Walking Dead trailer. Um, and this is actually a show that I might do reviews for come Season 10's return. We'll see it maybe, you know, if it's as good as season nine was, um, because that was one of the most pleasant surprises of, of 2018, 2019 TV years is how good, uh, you know, Walking Dead was, how much of a resurgence it made, especially since, you know, I'm sitting here watching these CW shows every week, which, uh, you know, I'm sure I'll get to later on in this recap here. But uh, it was so nice to, to have Walking Dead every Sunday and count on it being pretty pretty freaking good because once they made that time jump you know and even before you know even before they did the thing with rick grimes where he kind of you know in quotation marks you know died if you will or just went away um even before it was actually pretty good and then once he went away and they did the time jump everything was just really well done i loved angela kang's new direction she brought to the series as the showrunner this this past year i believe she's coming back again for season 10 uh, I loved Judith. Uh, I loved the stuff that they did with Lydia and Henry, surprisingly. I thought that was really great. Michonne's character grew and kind of became the de facto leader. Uh, I love Norman Reedus's new role as, as Daryl, being more of a leader as well. More vocal. I think he had more lines this past season than he did for the past five seasons combined. Um, but then, of course, I have to mention The Whisperers because The Whisperers 
I think, and I know everybody kind of gives the Saviors and Negan a hard time. I loved that stuff. I thought it did grow old. You can't do two full seasons of the same thing over and over again and not have it feel a little bit stale. Um, but I loved, I loved the Savior stuff, but I think the Whisperer stuff is, and we've only had about eight to nine, eight to ten episodes of it, but I think it's it's the best, it's the best antagonists the, the show's ever had, especially with Alpha, Samantha Morton playing Alpha. She's absolutely phenomenal in the role. I love the little message that she sent the, the Comic-Con audience the other day, but I think that they were probably the first actually like terrifying or unsettling villains the show's ever had as well. Um, so a couple things to note in the trailer though that I just kind of you know took notes while I was watching it for the second or third time today is that you know Rosita has her baby there which we know she's been pregnant for a while with whose kid I can't even remember if it was Navid um, or is Navid his name I think it Navid's his name or Gabriel or Eugene I don't even remember at this point I, th- I think it was Navid's but I can't I can't remember it was Eugene's I don't know uh, a lot of ocean water shots as well like where they're by the water. I don't know if that's Oceanside or not. I would assume it is. I don't think there's really another body of water that they're close to, if I'm not mistaken. So I would assume that that's Oceanside. Um, you have a couple shots of Lydia training. Um, and then it, from there, and by the way, Cassidy McClincy is just about the most delightful human being or celebrity I've ever met. Um, you know, met her this past Fan Fest in, in March or April, whatever that was. She was just a lovely human being. And I already loved Lydia's character, or uh, her character named Lydia in the first place, but I could watch anything she does now. She's she's magnetic personality. So anyway, but a couple shots of Lydia training there, and then the, the one scene which I'm very intrigued about is you know, Negan, which you're, I think, meant to assume that is, is Lydia, uh, based on the, the, the clothing that you see, uh, is telling her to, you know, watch her back i don't know what that's supposed to signify i don't know maybe he's just looking out for her because he thinks that other people in the community are kind of trying to kill her because she was sort of kind of the reason why a lot of their friends died at the fair this this past season so that's very interesting i always uh, always down for some judith material which you see a couple shots of judith kind of walking all badass like uh, with her sword and the hat i mean just great stuff. Speaking of great, great people, Kate, Caitlin Fleming is, is also a very, very nice little girl. So I loved her in the show last year. I love the new additions. Really, the whole cast is just so great. Um, so you can't get enough of Walking Dead last year. Hopefully, it's just, just as good this year. Um, you had a little bit of Negan and Daryl in the jail cell, uh, which I thought was great. And, you know, you have Daryl saying, like, I don't think we've actually been in a room together, at least, you know, tete-a-tete one-on-one um and the one shot that i was a little confused by which i believe is in the comics so maybe i'm a little off here in thinking that it, it didn't feel right because it is in the comics and so maybe they'll you know they'll set they'll set this up well but it just felt weird seeing michonne uh, you know kiss ezekiel so i don't know how that relationship is going to go down it's weird because carol was already with ezekiel last season and you know michonne was with rick just last season even though there has been a time jump so Again, forgive me, but I just—it felt weird. But then again, Michonne and Rick felt weird at, at first, and then it—and then it was like perfect after a while. So, uh, another uh, duo that I can't wait to see a scene with uh, again is Carol versus Alpha. I believe they asked Melissa McBride about this at the panel. I didn't actually see the the clip, but 
Uh, I just love her lines, you know, bitch has to die. Like, that's that's such a great line. And a lot of times these trailers have these very cheesy moments, like even later on when Carol and Daryl are talking about their little friendship bracelets or something. You know, it's kind of cheesy, but I thought that that line was pretty pretty powerful. So, And then, of course, I, how can I even forget to mention that last shot after the after the title goes to the screen it's you know michonne has lucille and she's like pointing it at the screen which are we meant to assume that that's maybe negan that she's pointing it to i feel like that's almost the easy answer maybe that's alpha maybe that's somebody else i don't know maybe it's daryl no it's not daryl um but a couple other things before we move on here from walking dead is you know, I'm just I'm curious to see how this season is structured because I can't imagine there'll be another big time jump, uh, but you do have to have the balance of, you know, Michonne leaving the show this year, Denai Guerrero, kind of moving on to bigger and quote unquote better things, um, and then maybe you have Maggie Lauren Cohan coming back working on it. So who knows how far along they are? I know they're already filming almost halfway through the season at this point, so I can't imagine it'll be a big arc if she does come back. And then, of course, the, the last the last thing that they kind of uh, brought up in the panel uh, was the, you know, Rick Grimes movie. And being that it's, what, 10 months after they initially announced this, I feel like we should have had more information at this point or maybe a release date or maybe a filming start date, you know, more plot details. But all we got was that, you know, very very quick teaser that just basically announced it will be in theaters which is a very intriguing thing because i always thought it was just going to be on amc and you think if they're putting it into theaters they actually have confidence that this is going to make money but i don't know i mean at this point if it's 10 seasons in you, you have a lot of the general public being like well i can't really jump into the scene of walking dead movie when i've only watched you know a handful of episodes but it's kind of similar to the the downton abbey movie that's being released in theaters and i saw the trailer again today when i was uh going to see the movie the art of self-defense and i can't i can't really imagine why i would go to see it but the trailer's decent enough where if i didn't watch the show if the show didn't exist i might go see the movie it just seems like one of the more you know boring british shows so uh, I, I don't know uh, we'll we'll see but same thing with walking dead i can't imagine the general public wanting to just go check out this zombie movie that deals with a, a lot of plot that uh, you know, was on TV that they didn't see. So uh, I'll be interested to see what the box office returns are for that one. But that's Walking Dead. And uh, quickly we'll move on to you know, a couple of other uh, TV shows that had trailers released, a couple of HBO shows actually, you know, Westworld and His Dark Materials. So HBO's you know constantly looking for their next Game of Thrones um westworld in a way kind of is big world building especially this la this next season looks uh, like they're going to continue to build the world around you know, dolores and, and mave and um but you know I, there's it's still a certain part of me still feels that the show is very distant to its viewers like it's kind of like legion or um you know a, an ari aster movie where you kind of have to like really really pay attention to the dialogue and how slow it's paced um to really catch on to certain things and it just almost feels too inside baseball at times but with that said the westworld trailer is gorgeous it may be the most gorgeous trailer 
out of anything they released at Comic-Con that includes movies. Uh, it's amazing how much better the CGI is this trailer than, like, say, Terminator Dark Fate, which is a movie which costs hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, so that's always interesting to think about. I love that this season is kind of taking it abroad. We're getting out of the, the park of Westworld. It's not just uh, a theme park anymore or an amusement, whatever you want to call that sort of vacation theme park type story. Um, just gorgeous cinematography. They're building the world out. Aaron Paul is in it now. Uh, it seems like his storyline is kind of uh, affiliated with the Dolores uh, character as well. Um, but again, this is what I wrote down on my notes. It's like, do I really even know what's happening? Like, do I even really remember what happened in the first couple seasons? Um, you know, I see that Ed Harris is coming back, of course. Um, and then you have, like, Maeve in, like, a Nazi-controlled area. I, I, you know, I'm so confused, but I can't wait for it. I think it's just, it's great storytelling, even if I ultimately realize that I'm not smart enough to really understand half of it. Um, so... And his Dark Materials, it's like the same thing I've thought about in the last couple of things that they put out uh, via HBO or, or online. It's just the, the series looks interesting. It looks like an interesting fantasy adventure story. Um, but at the same time, much like the show I'm about to talk about, I feel like it's very hard to get into these characters in a trailer in a two-minute setting. You kind of need to dig deep and have multiple episodes before you actually get on board with any sort of you know, big high fantasy type story. So... I don't know, but that, that show I was referring to is, of course, The Witcher. Listen, all I can say is it looks cool, it looks interesting, but I have no idea what the fuck's going on in that show. Um, and again, that's, it seems like the next sort of you know, Game of Thrones-esque story that that, that uh, networks are putting out, this one being Netflix. Um, but I don't really know how successful it could be. It's... It's a series about witch and monster hunting. Game of Thrones was a, sure a high fantasy, and it had White Walkers, and it had you know wildfire, it had dragons, but the show was always about the politics. It was always about the people. It was always about the you know the double crossing. Um, so you know, one one could argue that season eight was a little more heavy on the dragon and White Walkers than it was the story and the characters. I beg to differ. I think you do both at the same time. Um, so, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it, it, I'm gonna, definitely going to watch it. I mean, it's Henry Cavill. I can't get enough of him, although he looks just very goofy in the Geralt. I think that's his character's name in that outfit. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I think it comes out this fall. So, uh, packed fall with the, uh, big TV coming this fall. His Dark Materials, Walking Dead Season 10, uh, Arrow Season 8, the final season, of course, Christ on Infinite Earth's crossover, which I'm going to get to in a little bit here. But anyway, um, another HBO series, so going back to HBO, um, would be the Watchmen trailer that was also released. Again, I can't, I mean, I sound like a broken record here, but I only saw Watchmen once, the movie, and I don't think I ever read the comic, from what I understand, or the graphic novel. So, you know, sure, it looks very interesting. I think it's shot very well. There's some great actors in there. You have Jeremy Irons. Um, you have Rorschach's army of sorts, I guess. Um, God, I can't think of the other actress that's in there. But um, yeah, I, is it a sequel to the movie? Is it a sequel to the comic? I don't know. I mean, you have Dr. Manhattan there at the end. So is he alive? I thought he died at the end of the movie. 
it's been like 10 years since I've seen the movie, so I'd have to go and revisit it again. I do have the director's cut, uh, which I believe is what everybody says is the best version, so I need to go back uh, and check that out. I'm looking at it actually on my shelf right now, so I definitely need to do that. Um, it's just a matter of time. It does look interesting, though, so we'll see how that goes. I think I'll probably check it out depending on the reviews, but uh, again, we'll see. And sticking with HBO, there was a panel for a certain show, for a certain uh, you know Emmy-nominated show, maybe the most Emmy-nominated HBO show in history, and that would be Game of Thrones. Um, of course, the panel that David and Dan sort of bailed on, which... Can you really blame them? I'm not even sure why they committed to it in the first place. Um, just seems like just the, the perfect time for fans to jump on their asses about all the stuff they didn't care for in the last season, which of course I loved. Uh, but it just felt it felt it felt risky for them. It definitely felt risky. So I don't blame them for not showing up. Um, apparently they addressed it again. I haven't seen it, but apparently they addressed the coffee cup jokes, uh, the incident that happened in the was it the fourth episode of this season. Um, and they, I believe they also addressed the, the, uh, excuse me, they addressed the, uh, online petitions, especially the ones, you know, that were talking about the fact that everybody wanted, you know, HBO to re-film the entire last season, because, you know, that makes sense, and it's certainly a petition worth spending a lot of time on, and spending a lot of your money on, like, what are you, what are you talking about, it's never gonna happen, just the people that try to petition for, you know, Lucasfilm to, to reshoot The Last Jedi. and, and I mean, come on. Get, get, get Jesus. Uh, but really, I mean, at this type of panel, there's not a whole lot you can really do besides just kind of reminisce and uh, thank the, the panel members for all that they did uh, in the show as cast members. I believe it was like uh, Kamala Hill plays Varys, Liam Cunningham plays Davos, Maisie Williams plays Arya, Jacob Anderson plays Grey Worm, Nikolai Kosterwaldo plays Jamie, and I believe that was itch there may have been one more actor in there i can't remember but maybe that was kind of the the five or, or six people that showed up uh i know that there was one at one point when nicola costawala kind of said he thought that the ending to jamie's character was perfect and that kind of set off some people in the in the crowd no shit but uh i thought it was absolutely perfect and uh, i know i talked about this in the the review i i did you know back when we were talking game of thrones every week but I just think there's something so, so special and perfect and poignant about the fact that Cersei dies um, in the castle that she stayed her, like she stayed there her whole life. She thought it was gonna protect her. It's called the Red Keep, and the thing closes in on her and it kills her. The thing she thought was gonna protect her closes in and kills her. That's just so perfect. Uh, it's such a great rounded out story. Uh, of course, Jamie is there beside her because he's. they came into the world together. They're going to come out of the world together. So, I don't know. I loved it. Um, but that's really the show. I don't know why I'm talking about the show so much, which we've been talking about the panel. But So, from what I understand, it was kind of a you know weak on or a, you know lacking information of sorts. But really, what sort of information were you expecting from that panel? They weren't going to show off anything for the prequel because you didn't have the showrunner there. You didn't have George R. R. Martin. You didn't have Naomi Watts there or anything like that. But I would guess, depending on when the show is officially going to be released, I would guess that next year we're definitely going to have a prequel panel. But we'll see. We'll see. Um, let's head on over, stick with TV, let's head on over to the Arrowverse. 
Um, and the first thing that kind of came out of Comic-Con weekend um, that was, you know, sadly, same thing with um, Thor 4, but it was kind of leaked early that Brandon Routh would be reprising his role as Superman or a version of Superman. I believe it's the Kingdom Come Superman in Crisis on Infinite Earths, which comes out this fall with a crossover event between all the Arrowverse shows. I think that that's awesome. So him and Tyler Hecklin will both be playing Superman. I have no idea how they're going to tackle this story. I don't even know how it's going to be planned out, especially with the, the monitor stuff that is happening with Oliver right now and, and how he's, I guess, going to die um, in this crossover at least, or maybe people think he dies. Maybe it'll be a Dark Knight Rises situation, kind of, kind of similar to that. But So that was kind of the Arrow trailer. Um, a lot of just kind of recapping what came before, which I loved. It was very poignant um, as well, just kind of going through every major phase of every season. And then for the last 15 seconds, you kind of got flashes of maybe what's to come. A new suit for Katie Cassidy as Black Siren slash Black Canary. A new hairdo as well, it looked like. Um, and, of course, the return of the one and only Colin Donnell. And what I think maybe the best villain the Arrowverse has ever had, Josh Segura as Prometheus, Adrian Chase. Um, he's got a beard here. He sounds exactly the same, but he's got a beard. He doesn't look like he has a suit on in the trailer. I don't know what version of Adrian Chase that is or what character Josh Segura is actually playing. I would love for, in a way, for it to be the, the same Adrian Chase. I just think that's the best character, probably the best written villain besides Slade, the show's ever had, especially with how much John Barrowman's Malcolm kind of teeter out towards the end. Um, and, uh, of course, same thing with Tommy. I don't know what character he's going to be playing. Of course, you know, in, in, in this timeline in Arrow, for some reason they did that stupid thing a couple years ago where Tommy's actually alive, Laurel's actually alive, like the public believes that they're actually alive, even though they both died and these are just different versions of them. Oof. Oof. Um, but again, I mean, maybe, you know, Josh Gears, uh, Prometheus is tied somehow into the anti-monitor or that crisis storyline. I really would love for it to not just be a one-off and then not just be that first or second episode villain. And I mean, what is the season even about anyway? You know, like, what, what could it possibly be about? The only thing we really know is that the first episode is titled Starling City and the second episode is titled Welcome to Hong Kong. Um, so what that means I have no idea, um, but I am. I'm looking forward to it. That, that trailer got me kind of pumped. Um, so so that was Arrow. Let's move on to Flash, and let's, we'll quickly pass it because that trailer was incredibly dumb. The villain called Bloodwork, uh, stupid voiceover that was playing. I don't care. That, that show lost me a while ago. I don't even know why I stuck with it last season. It, it's just gotten boring. There's no stakes anymore. Everything's either multiverse, uh, you know, problem solved, uh, time travel or a different version of each character or they're just adding on characters to the team especially now that carlos valdez says he isn't leaving the show like so so what you have um you have him you have killer frost you have barry uh cecile joe wally uh or not wally ralph um iris of course whatever character tom cavanaugh is going to play this season and I'm totally forgetting other people, but the team is so big. You have to have the guts to kill a character every now and then. Arrow did it so well for the first three or four seasons. And then, of course, they kind of 
got cold feet and they kind of stopped killing the major characters besides the villains. Um, but I just think like Flash has got to do something to revamp that series. It's just getting to the point of it just being so stale. Um, anyway, there wasn't a Legends trailer at all because I think it premieres in early 2020. It would be a little early to show a TV trailer, especially for a network television show. Kind of expected them to show a little bit of the Crisis on Infinite Earth stuff maybe with the Legends, how they're factoring in, especially since they weren't even in the crossover last year, which is very disappointing. Definitely the crossover last year was disappointing overall. Um, just kind of a letdown, especially after the last couple years of brilliant, brilliant stuff they've done. Um, Supergirl did have a trailer. You have some shots of Lena and Lex. Um, it seems like at least the first episode is more of like a technology-based villain. Uh, Supergirl has got a new suit, which looks pretty solid. Um, I really hope they don't do the full season of Lena being the villain. Um, of course, Lena Luthor is who I'm talking about. I feel like they've done a great job of building that friendship for three seasons now with her and Kara. Um, and if they were going to do it, they should have done it a while ago. But if they're doing it now, they really, really got to go for it. It can't just be half-assed. And I'm not sure this could be something that their friendship can be, you know, good again by the end of the season. I think that this may be, you know, the end of the line for them too. So we'll see how they handle that. I'm not sure. They really didn't give us much information uh, about the, the Crisis crossover, you know, besides perhaps that Brandon Routh is playing the Kingdom Come Superman um that's pretty much it for the Arrowverse. oh you know what i, I did i should also mention i love that, that that little reveal at the end of the arrow trailer with the uh the arrow logos from every single season that they've used kind of coming together uh to phone to form you know just one logo uh, which i thought was really cool so that's the Arrowverse. let's move on to the biggest part of the weekend um in terms of reveals uh slates being revealed uh, footage, no, 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 there was really no footage at all that was released at least. Um, some descriptions online about the footage they put out with Black Widow. But anyway, this would be what I'm talking about, the Marvel panel, the MCU slate revealed um, first. And it's the movie that they kind of talked about last, but it's the first movie on their slate now after Endgame, and that would be the Black Widow movie that is finally... After uh, you know, she was introduced in 2010's Iron Man 2, finally Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow, Natasha Romanoff gets her own movie. Um, of course, you have like Florence Pugh in it. You have David Harbour, uh, Rachel Weisz. Uh, very curious to see how, where they take that. I would assume that they're going to have David Harbour or Rachel Weisz play the villain. Uh, I think that the Taskmaster is supposedly the villain, but I don't know what they're doing there. Maybe they're going to gender bend the, that character. I think David Harbour's playing some sort of Red Guardian. I don't know. I don't know my Black Widow comics, so forgive me, but I'm excited because I, I, from what I hear, Florence Pugh's, I think, playing her sister or another Black Widow of sorts or something, so I think that they're going to kind of go tete-a-tete in the, in, the, in the movie. I think they do in the trailer from what I heard or the footage they showed at least. Um, and perhaps, since Black Widow is now dead at the end of the end, at the end of Endgame, that Florence Pugh plays, you know, the next wave of, of Black Widow in, in the MCU. Whether they continue to use Black Widow or not, I think that Florence Pugh is a fantastic actress. Um, things that she's done with Funny with My Family, with Midsummer, um, with uh, the Outlaw King, The Falling, and later on this year with Little Women. Um, 
can't wait to see what she does in her career, and I think she's fantastic. So I'm really happy to to see to see her succeeding, to see her getting roles. Let's move on to another um, 2020 released show. I believe it's the first superhero show that will be released on Disney Plus, and that's Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is kind of you know they showed in the the logo, but it's kind of you know, based around the fact that Anthony Mackie is now the Captain America, quote unquote, uh, of the MCU. Uh, he brought the shield out on stage when I was watching the panel. I thought that was awesome. Uh, and apparently Baron Zemo is going to be the villain of the series, which is an interesting choice considering that they did have you know a little bit of history there, especially Winter Soldier. Um, so maybe Winter Soldier is, is you know manipulated in a way. Falcon's got to save him sort of thing. Maybe it's the opposite way around. Maybe he figures out a way to manipulate the Falcon. I don't know, I'm kind of excited for that one. I think it could be a it could be a fun one. I, I don't see it really playing a huge role in the rest of the MCU, but I think it could certainly be a, a fun series to, to to tackle. So um, then let's move on to the first, uh, or I should say, second 2020 MCU movie. That would be the Eternals, kind of the one that nobody really knows anything about. Uh, nobody, at least the, the people who, who don't read comics. I don't even know if people who read comics know much about the Eternals. It's kind of similar to, you know, what was going on with the Guardians before James Gunn kind of took that series and really ran with it uh, in the movies. But you know, you have Angela Jolie, Richard Madden, Camille Johnny, Don Lee, um, the actress, and I, oh god, Lauren something, Lauren Ridley, I believe, is her name. Uh, plays Connie in Walking Dead. She's also going to be in the movie. Uh, I believe they're gender gender bending a couple of characters. Of course. Uh, Lord Ridley is is deaf in real life, and she's playing a non-deaf superhero. So I love that type of stuff. I love that they're giving people a chance. Uh, Salma Hayek is also in the movie. Uh, maybe fingers crossed. Somebody like Keanu Reeves, who's been rumored for the movie for a long time, will will show up. I'm really hoping they were going to bring him on on stage for Eternals. Uh, and of course, Millie Bobby Brown has also been rumored, but I think that, that one's been shot down more than once. So I. I feel like that's probably not as likely. Um, so that's Eternals. Again, I don't really know much about it, but I'm excited for it. I can't I can't wait to see it. I think it could be the next Guardians. could be a more serious Guardians, hopefully. Hopefully they don't take the, the same sort of tone, tonal approach with it. Uh, and then we move on to, to the first 2021 property out of the MCU, and that's Shang-Chi. Uh, and the thing that I love about this movie, and I should have brought up his name, but I love the actor they chose to play Shang-Chi because... Um, he he only tweeted like four or five years ago, you know, something about when is Marvel gonna get their first Asian superhero on screen, and then you know he tweeted again four years for or just last year, but four years after that first tweet, like, hey Marvel, let's talk about Shang Chi, and then of course he ends up being the one cast. He tweeted something about like two weeks ago, he was on his couch just eating chips, you know, trying to trying to get his next acting gig, and now he's a Marvel superhero. So I love those type of stories. Um, I'm excited about his casting. I'm excited about the fact that this might be the first time the real Mandarin is actually brought to screen, besides that Marvel one-shot that they put out a couple years ago. Certainly an interesting choice. Um, and I think it'll, it'll probably be just like Black Panther, just be a, just as groundbreaking, um, just as culturally significant, and I, I, I bet you it'll be pretty dang good. I can You can probably count on it being pretty dang good. Uh, moving on to uh, the next 2021 property, that's WandaVision. As this is probably the show we know least about, and I think it's because it's going to be a you know a period piece, I guess. Uh, apparently, it's going to tie into Doctor Strange, Madness, the Multiverse, which is the next one I was going to talk about because 
Wanda Maximoff slash Scarlet, which will be in that movie. So that'll be interesting to see how that works. Um, you know, how the series ties into the movie, which is always a risky thing. I will say it's always a risky thing. Ask Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. how that went. Ask Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. how that one episode went where they had to clean up the, uh, the, the damage that was done in Thor The Dark World because, you know, that was so entertaining to watch on screen. I can't believe I've been stuck with that show for that long. But anyway, uh, what they said about Doctor Strange 2, you know, Madness in the Multiverse, it's like the first scary, like first horror film in the MCU, which I get it, but I, I'll, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it sort of thing because, you know, Yes, each of the, the movies in the last you know five years have been their own separate tone. They ultimately follow along with the same sort of beats and, and plot arcs, just in a different way. Um, and Doctor Strange Madness in the Multiverse, sure, it could be that first horror movie for the MCU. Um, but ultimately, it's going to be PG-13. How really scary can a PG-13 movie be these days? It's even... It, it's hard for rated R movies to be to, to be scary, so you know we'll see we'll see about that. I I'm not convinced just yet, especially since I wasn't a huge fan of the first Doctor Strange movie anyway. I thought it was, you know, a step down from what we had earlier in 2016, Captain America: Civil War. But that's just me. So you know what are you gonna do? Um, moving on to Loki. So I guess the Loki TV series that will be out summer of 2021. Um, it's going to kind of you know, tackle where he went after Endgame or, or like in the middle of Endgame when they you know, traveled back in time to 2012. And then he took the the um, the Tesseract and kind of escaped. Um, we'll see. I don't know. I guess it'll just be a one-off. I don't, I don't really know what they're going to do with that series, like why we care about it really. I just love Tom Hiddleston in the role, so I guess I'll watch him do anything. But at the same time, the, the fun of Loki has always been him bouncing off Thor, bouncing off the Avengers. Uh, or really anybody else in the MCU. So it'll be interesting to see where how they round out that cast, how they round out that story, what, you know, what sort of arc he goes on. Uh, is it more of a, you know, an anti-hero type of approach or or just more straightforward Loki? We'll see. Again, I think this is a summer fall of 2021, so still a couple years away, but that's Hawkeye, the TV series. By the way, that logo for Hawkeye is just horrible. It, it's, it's like kids' Photoshop. Um, but but this will be tackling, amongst other things, him training Kate Bishop to the next Hawkeye, which I do like. I, I actually like that because Hawkeye's been one of the, the characters who actually did follow through with his word of retiring. Yes, he comes back in Endgame because his family is all killed, so he kind of has no choice. But I love that he, he legitimately, when he said he was going to retire in Ultron, he actually did retire. And then in Civil War, he only came back to help his friends. And then in, in uh, Infinity War, he's like, yeah, no, I'm still still retired, still uh, you know, I'm not gonna not gonna help out. So, I love that. Uh, we'll see where that s- series goes. The most interesting series that they full on confirmed, although we've kind of known that this was coming for a long time. It's the series called What If. So it's gonna you know tackle certain plot points in the MCU. Perhaps from what I've seen, all 22 or 23 movies, just in a different way. Um, so the one that I remember hearing about is you know if Peggy Carter got injected with the super serum. Instead of Steve Rogers, how would that story play out? You know, wh- where would where would that arc go? Where is Captain America at that point in time? Where does Peggy go? Does Peggy do the same things that the Cap did? Does she take the ship into the ice? Does she defeat Hydra? You know, all that sort of sort of thing. I'm I'm interested in that. And it looked like from what they're reviewing in the panel that 
like, I mean, there was like 30 cast members, big cast members that they've had in the past that are reprising their roles. Um, so excited to see that, especially since Jeffrey Wright is the, uh, the uh, voiceover for the series. So that's exciting as well. I like Jeffrey Wright a lot. Um, and then uh, we're going to go ahead and talk now about the one movie that was revealed earlier in the week, or at least reported on. So not necessarily a huge surprise that they were doing it, but it was still nice to see, especially that logo and title. That will be Thor 4. In other words, Thor, Love and Thunder. That is like the most 80s sounding name. And uh, even the logo looks like a He-Man logo or Masters of the Universe type thing. Um, Portman's back, apparently. You know, after they, from what I thought I heard, that they weren't able to bring her back for Endgame, so they kind of shot around those, uh, you know, unused scenes from Thor the Dark World so that they can get the ether from her. Um, from what I heard, they couldn't get her back. So I'm really curious to see why she decided to come back. If it really was them saying, like, hey, we really want you to come back. We want you to be Thor, the female Thor, um, and really kind of usher in this new age of, of the Thor mythology. So I, I, I'm very curious to see why Portman decided to come back. Maybe what that script is like. I would assume that she saw a script, although I think that Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson both said that they didn't see a script. The movie's still two and a half years away, so there's a lot of, you know, a lot of adjusting to do. Uh, with the script and directing until then but i'm excited for taika watiti of course he's back after directing thor ragnarok which just about everybody loved did anybody not like that movie um probably the, one of the best mcu one-offs if you will that also do really tie into the rest of the mcu very well but the one stipulation i have is you better bring back korg you better bring back meek because i love those two characters in thor ragnarok as well as the little bit we got of them in endgame but that's Thor 4. And uh, finally, I guess they released, or they you know they showed at the end that some Black Widow footage, uh, you know, even Kevin Feige mentioned uh, mutants. He also mentioned, you know, there's no time to talk about Fantastic Four. It's like, oh, God, the, the crowd erupted when he did that. And, uh, you know, I mean, I love it. I, I still think that they, they are definitely going to wait a couple of years at least um, for those X-Men series, uh, new new mutants movies. And I don't mean the actual New Mutant movie, but like the, the New Age of Mutants. Um, and again, this is a friend who brought this up, so this is not my theory. But something about Wanda you know, in Doctor Strange 2, maybe she sets off this some sort of event that kind of uh, awakens the mutants, and that's how they kind of come into the universe. I don't know. Uh, I'm curious to see how they do that. Same thing with Fantastic Four, which uh, I believe will be first. I think that that will be a 2022 movie definitely like I, I think that that's pretty in the bank at this point like if he says they're kind of in the early stages of working on it right now it's not gonna take four years for them to get that to the screen they're gonna they're gonna want to get it a little sooner it's already been four years since the previous one i think people have forgotten about that miles teller fantastic four um at this point in time so and then of course you know nobody does it better than marvel so what does marvel do best they have their little after credits. They have their post credit scenes uh, to tease what's to come without really telling you anything. And, of course, Kevin Feige, as I'm watching this panel, uh, I already knew it happened, but I had to watch the panel anyway. It's just so well done. You know, he gets the crowd going, talking about mutants, talking about Fantastic Four. And then he's like, you know what? We, we do have one more surprise for you. Let me let me welcome to the stage Mahershala Ali. And he walks out there, and everyone's like, okay. We know Mahershala was in, you know, uh, Luke Cage, 
he was cottonmouth in that show. Uh, of course, I never saw the show, but everyone seemed to like him, and the show went downhill after he left or after he was killed off. It's like, okay, why are you inviting a guy from Iron Fist on the, you know, uh, on the stage, especially when they've kind of distanced them, distanced themselves from those Netflix shows? Um, so you're like, well, what's going on here? And then of course, like, Kevin's like, you know. Mahershala, I believe you brought your own hat because you know all the Black Widow cast had their Black Widow hats and they were handing out Black Widow hats to everybody else in the in the audience. And of course, you know he takes out his hat. It's a blade hat. So, of course, that pretty much means, and I think they did confirm it after that he is in fact playing Blade. He's not just in the Blade movie or producing it or directing it or writing it. He is playing Blade. Um, which is, again, another interesting development. It's like, are they going to make that a PG-13 movie? Are they going to make it a rated R movie? I don't know. How does that work? Is that in the MCU's like main timeline, main phase four or phase five plans? Or is it just kind of like a one-off they might do? It's not a TV series from what I understand, but I thought that they were going to do a TV series. I think that that, that almost made more sense because you can go a little bit more gritty in a TV series, just kind of put the TV-14 on it, whatever you want to do for Disney+. Plus. Uh, and then kind of, uh, you know, make it go away or whatever. Uh, but the movie, that's very interesting. Plus, you know, Mahershala Ali coming off two Oscars. Um, I don't know. I haven't even seen a single Blade movie, but I'm looking forward to it already. So that's the Marvel panel. A um, couple other things that I was going to talk about, but really there's no need to because nowhere near as excited for these as the other ones. But yeah, something like no Snowpiercer, which apparently put out a trailer. I didn't even watch that one or Cats, they put out a trailer right before Comic-Con, absolutely terrifying looking musical, uh, directed by Tom Hooper, I believe, starring Taylor Swift, um, Jennifer Hudson, Jason Derulo, Idris Elba, amongst many other people, Judy Dench, just looks absolutely terrifying, I don't want to see that movie, even though I know I will, I know I will, but I don't really want to, um, Jay and Silent Bob reboot, which of course I just watched Dogma the other day, which is a great movie, really weird but great movie i love jay and silent bob in that movie so very curious to see how that reboot in quotation marks uh does for them does for kevin smith and of course the biggest news of them all that comes out of the weekend is that avengers endgame officially beat avatar at the box office for the number one worldwide film of all time grossing of course this doesn't account for inflation and blah 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 but it doesn't matter. You know, no film's ever going to catch Gone with the Wind or um, Jaws or you know, Star Wars, the, the original Star Wars. They, they, when you adjust for inflation, no, they're not going to catch those movies. But I love that Avengers Endgame is officially on top because uh, it's just so long that Avatar was up there that I kind of want to see somebody new, right? Uh, but that's it. That's the show. That's the Comic-Con recap uh, next week. We'll see what we do. I don't know at this point in time. Maybe it'll be a Once Upon a Time in Hollywood recap. Maybe we'll just go back to review Roundup. We'll see. I don't know. But until then, thanks.